Warning, this episode contains foul language, discussions of the Holocaust, and may make you rethink life after death. podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we get together with one of our friends and we talk about something strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, just kidding. We talk about weird stuff, okay? Today I'm joined by my lovely co-host Lauren and our good friend Laura LaRue, and this is part two of our reincarnation episode. Last week, we talked about the religious aspects of reincarnation and some of the more famous scientific studies, as well as the methods in which these cases are tried and tested. This week, Lauren is going to start us off with some ways that past lives have been adapted into therapy. We discuss some real-world implications of past lives and their effect on our day-to-day, and we finish off with two absolutely bonkers stories. Next week will be the beginning of our Halloween countdown. In October, we've got an extra long conspiracy theories part two. I know you're very excited for that. We have a special horror movie reunion episode featuring some of your favorite past guests. And finally, an extra scary listener ghost stories just in time for the big day. So make sure you're following us on social media to keep up to date on some of our craziest episodes yet. Also, make sure you check out our latest This Week in Weird episode on YouTube. The link is in our bio on Instagram, and you can find us there at Keep It Weird Cast. You can also just go to YouTube and type in Keep It Weird Podcast, and our channel will pop up. We have a lot of listeners message us and say they're bummed because they're all cut up and ran out of episodes to listen to. Well, we have 13 episodes of our new segment on there and they are so much fun. If you think we're funny with our voices, wait till you see our faces. (laughs) That was dumb. Enjoy the show and we will see you soon. Anyways, um, what are we talking about now? Hey, everybody. Oh, hi. <laughs> so hi. we're going to start talking about some therapy that can possibly reveal a past life to you Ooh. called past life regression therapy or PLR. So past life regression therapy is fascinating. And basically, this is going to be an open discussion of kind of what you guys think of it, because I'm not even sure, but I think it's crazy. Some of the stuff that's come out of it. But Past life regression therapy is a practice by licensed therapists who are also qualified in hypnosis therapy. They bring in their patients and they bring them into a completely relaxed and meditative state and ask them to get to a place of comfort that is personal to them. They'll say, where's your most peaceful place? Go to the field, go to wherever, go to your happy place. 
Um, once the patient is in their hypnotic state and completely relaxed, they will ask them to cross a bridge or a path or whatever the person sees in front of them. And from there, they're able to access past life memories. That is the belief of this therapy. They're accessing something, but the firm belief by these therapists is that it is a past life that they're able to access. They want people to come into this who have open minds about possibly having a past life, but they will do it for anybody if anyone is just like, I need to face these issues I have in my life and I need to get to this altered state of mind to get there, whatever. So these people are crossing a psychological barrier and they can access experiences not from this life. The therapy is meant to conquer emotional, physical blockages, anything that could possibly come from a past life and is affecting how they're living now. So this therapy is powerful no matter what it's actually doing or whatever you believe because this therapy is bringing your brain to a deep place that you aren't normally accessing. So it's nuts and shouldn't be taken lightly. Um, it's I hardcore shit. It, yeah. <laughs> I wrote the word consciousness and it's spelled so wrong. I'm just noticing. So I'm just it's laughing. It's a really like, hard see, word. I know. But I wrote easiest. it a couple of times and it's fine. I noticed this one time it was underlined. It's like C O N C C S I O U S S S N E S M I S S I S S I P P I. I fell asleep on the keyboard. That's awesome. Yeah. So even if you know, you don't believe in past lives, like every single person who's had this therapy has been through some sort, something in their life that has shaped the way they are now. Yeah. That's every person. it's not all peppermints and gumdrops. No. There's got to be something that causes you distress. There's also a reason you have repressed memory. Exactly. There's also a reason that you want therapy. Your brain can't handle it. (laughs) Yeah. Like there are things that your brain has shut out. That is one of my biggest fears is like if you have a repressed memory, like how would you know? know. Like how would you You know? Until you woke up one day and you were like, oh no. And then your entire life was in (laughs) 9-11. My God, can you imagine? I have that fear sometimes that I'm going to go to a therapist, do this hypnotherapy and find something so horrible. Oh God, I can't even think about it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Every, (laughs) I mean, I think I had a great childhood, but we'll see. (laughs) So every person that tries this therapy sees something. Usually it is a truth about yourself that you haven't been wanting to face. And usually you will see points of history as if you are a part of them, but you don't fully understand why until you face something that applies to your current life. And you might say, okay, my brain brought me here to learn this lesson. Or some people go to the fact of, oh, this was me in a past life. Everyone kind of takes it differently, but it, no matter what, again, is useful because it reveals something to you. So you might not necessarily be seeing a past life just to go over every possibility. You could be seeing a combination of images from books or movies that you've seen throughout your life that it's coming together in your head. It's just like these spotty images that are, that have been hidden away and are coming out. Another theory that's pretty cool is some psychotherapists believe that you might be seeing a memory from another soul in another universe that you are somehow connected to. So it might not be your memory, but you're experiencing collective memory or you're sharing something with another person and you're seeing their life. Collective consciousness. Exactly. Which we have talked about. Um, Oh yes. S I U light. There it is. Here it is. I did it. It took me a minute to even understand what you were saying. I knew that that would happen. SIU light. We so that's SIUE, what you called. Co- SIU light. 
because it was like the shittier or the like shitty low calorie first, beer. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so it's better for you, but it's better not for as you. Good. <laughs> really, truly, because like was the good time. Edwardsville might exactly, have taught you more. Yeah. <laughs> Edwardsville was like technically a better school and like the facilities were a lot newer and cleaner. But Carbondale was like Carbondale the shit. it's what everybody really wanted. Yeah. I didn't go to the Belushi. I'm not as cool as you guys, but I visited both campuses and I had a lot more fun at Carbondale. See? I always can say. S-I-U I light. Say. Carbondale S-I-U for light, life. baby. Hey, PKs. I, it took me so long to realize what you were saying what to me. You were like, S-I-U light. And Copper I was dragon. like, I don't Gross. think that's what psychotherapists call it. <laughs> <laughs> they call it Southern Illinois University light. That's what this well, that's phenomenon a weird name is referred to. Go on. I'm so sorry. So, yeah, I thought that was a cool theory to throw no, in absolutely. there. That you could that's be awesome. just experiencing. A, you're just seeing a memory through someone else's eyes. That's I love amazing. that. Also, in some cases, therapists are more of a guide than others. Sometimes therapists leave it completely up to you to describe what you see. But I think there are more intrusive therapists, too, that are almost telling you what you see and kind of making you see something. So there are some people that come out of it and are like, yeah, I did learn a lot. But I also felt that I was seeing images my therapist was telling me, too. So. There is a lot that could be happening to the brain. There is a ton of debate on what is actually going on in these experiences. Is it your past? Is it a past life? Is it a random combo of images? What's going on? But the real crazy thing is that everyone comes out learning something about themselves. And I found some really cool stories of both skeptics and people believe that they have won to several past lives. And everyone came out of it saying, hey, I did see some interesting things. This was cool in one way or another. So I wanted to start with a skeptic just to show what their experience was. This guy named Alex Heigl, he works for People Magazine, and he was given the assignment to try this as like an article. Hey, do some research, see what you think of it. And they picked him because he was so like, this is bullshit. I can't believe you're sending me into this. I'll do it for the research and for the article, but this is It's sort of like how Ellen always sends that guy to Hollywood. To the haunted houses. Horror Nights, Hollywood Horror Nights. And he hates it. And he fucking hates it. And she's like, it's your job. Yes, totally. So (laughs) Alex went into it this exact way. They're like, you are the last person who would believe this. But he's like, okay, whatever, let's go for it. And he also has really high anxiety and said it's very difficult for him to even relax and meditate at all so he's like this person isn't even going to be able to put yeah. me into a hypnosis he was just state. not into it from every angle yeah just like i hate this so he went to this woman named ann barham she or barham i guess as we say the street in los angeles barham barham um and she talked him through everything and he was sort of like yeah whatever we'll see how this goes but he did end up being put into a very deep hypnosis. He said um, he got extremely relaxed after it did take a long time, but he was eventually able to get extremely relaxed, but still conscious. And he said he got his mind to slow way down, but he wouldn't necessarily call it deep hypnosis, but he was able to start envisioning things that he didn't normally see he claims he still felt very conscious, but maybe he just like has his guard up. But right. was start, he did start to see things and said his body was completely relaxed. He said he began to see life through the eyes of a Depression-era man living with his family in California. Whoa. He was working as part of a road crew and attempting to support a wife and two children. 
He says, again, I was remaining skeptical of the process the whole time. I felt like I was just filling in details because I was being asked to, and maybe my imagination was running wild. But that's a whole other can of worms in my life. So where were these (laughs) images coming from if I was consciously constructing a narrative because I was asked to or what was guiding this whole process? Was I discovering someone's life? What was going on? So he says, these are the three things that I can remember the most, the most vivid memories from my experience. I don't know how they happened, but this is what went down. He said, first, a strange heaviness went all down my left side, only my left side. And these are typically chalked up to injuries sustained by one of your past lives. That's what the therapist will tell you. So he said, maybe my man had a stroke at some time because his whole left side was numb. Um, also he knew that the man he was, was a man with blue eyes. He said, now my dad had blue eyes, but it's apparently a recessive trait in my family. Both my sister and I have brown eyes, though the image of the man I may or may not have been was clearly blue eyed and had dark brown hair. Also a recurring image of the Northern California coastline kept coming back to me somewhere around, around Monterey, possibly it was windswept, a very literal end of the earth kind of setting happening over and over. So he says, How I can sum it up is I don't know or care whether these are actual lifetimes my soul had. (laughs) That's beside the point. The narratives and issues I saw mirrored to me issues that I was grappling with and gave me different perspectives on my own ingrained patterns about those issues. So we can debate the metaphysics of past life regression until we're blue in the face. But the point is, this is a form of therapy regardless. It's non-traditional, but if you're able to uncover deal with and feel better about issues you're facing then I would call it a success and probably more fun than your usual therapy session cool this does so, sound like a lot of fun I know I, know. I really want to do it so right? I love that he came out of it like I don't know what happened in there but like this know. was interesting and I learned some stuff so I thought that was pretty cool of old Alex over at People Magazine where was he located? Like, is he from California? Does I believe he know so. Because it said, yeah, because okay. he it said he worked for People Magazine and Entertainment Weekly at one time. So he's like he's in the entertainment okay. industry for sure. So I imagine he's an LA guy. I looked up his Twitter, but it didn't. There wasn't like a bio or anything. But yeah, I think he would know California, and he said it looked like a Monterey type. Okay. I thought so it would be, be really weird, weird if he's yeah from New York and was like it looked like, it looked Monterey. like Monterey. No. He probably watched Big Little Lies and he knew. Yeah. He knows what it looks like. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Nicole Kidman was there. I know. Nicole was there. Zoe was there. Dressed as her character from Moulin Rouge. It was weird. It was weird. All my past lives. Really love Nicole Kidman. <laughs> She's great. And my present life. And I my know. present She's life. Great. God love her. Now we're going to get a little crazy. We're going to keep it weird, yeah. if you will. <laughs> One very common result of past life regression therapy is oddly the Holocaust. What, who, where, when, and why? People who have zero connection to Judaism in their current life will go into their hypnotic state and remember the Holocaust very vividly, or they will understand Jewish traditions very deeply, even though they're from a Christian faith. What? It has happened a lot with people born about a decade after the Holocaust happened, and these memories came out when the patients were children, very young, saying they had memories before they could Google, before they could read. We just talked about this. There's not a death that is worse than dying in the Holocaust. Yes. That's what we were just saying. Something so traumatic that you would remember. The crazy part about these people saying things about the Jewish religion and the Holocaust just a decade after is that there was not enough information out there for these kids to know the vivid details. These are kids all over the world, a lot in America, but like they wouldn't 
these are really young kids that wouldn't have all these have details Schindler's about like yet. the right. furnaces. Have, yeah, the movies yeah. hadn't been made. The books hadn't even really well, come out. Even yet. in young kids now, like they don't. I mean, they know maybe what the Holocaust is. If we're talking like four or five, sure. I'm not going to go up to a kid and be like, "Do you know what the Holocaust you is?" Know what right. like, did. Yeah, you concentration know camps. Gross details. Like, that nobody would. No five year old would know that. Right. And these are also kids from mostly hardcore Christian families that didn't discuss Jewish traditions at all, or in most cases didn't even have Jewish friends or neighbors. So they were like, why is my kid talking about Judaism? What is going on? I have Jewish friends and I can't even keep it straight half the time. Right? I know. There's like so much I don't know. And the we'll words are fascinating, but like I just, yeah. like you have it's to tell nuts. it to me like 15 times. Exactly. Same. And I live with a jewish person so <laughs> oh yeah that's interesting is he more of like the cultural jew this, or is he jewish he's jewish Jew that's okay well, the thing, yeah, some people are just cultural. like i'm culturally but yeah I don't his, practice his mother is jewish okay. he's never practiced judaism before okay. but yeah. we you know we light the menorah at christmas yeah. okay you know what i mean still do the traditions and yeah. his, his he has a very jewish vocabulary when it comes to oh, like jewish heard slang <laughs> Does he, he say like schmuck all Jewish the time? Woman sometimes. Yes, he He'll does. He does. He'd be like, oh, I'm schwitzing. <laughs> schwitzing like, is you are a 33 so year old they boy. They have some amazing words, and I do <laughs> love do. to pepper my vocabulary with like schwitzing and They're schmuck. Doing and, it right. and, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> so I love it so Anyways. much. <laughs> so there's this rabbi. His name is Rabbi Yonason Gershom, and he wrote a book called Beyond the Ashes, Cases of Reincarnation from the Holocaust, because he was this very open-minded rabbi, even though we were talking about how the Jewish tradition, there's they don't really talk about reincarnation at all. But he came across so many cases of people wanting to talk about it that he decided to be this open-minded spiritual advisor of sorts that would actually talk to these people interview them talk them through it and then ended up putting a book together about yeah what it. kind so, of a spiritual leader would you be to ostracize or shut out people who want to talk to you about your faith yeah yeah christians like, I know about judaism <laughs> yeah yeah oh, sorry like <laughs> anyways so, <laughs> yeah, the rabbi was talking to all these people and he said most pe most people he was talking to sounded like from their stories that they were Nazi victims and they had been reborn since 1945. Like these were people coming in the 50s and 60s afterwards. So he talks to these people about Holocaust memories and he tries not to judge the experience as either true or false. Just getting all the facts. Just Open like minded. Stevenson we were talking about before. Even Stevenson. Even Stevenson. Even Stevens. He doesn't claim that every case he is told is actually reincarnated from the Holocaust, but some stories do strike him as being more probable than others. He said some of the criteria includes dreams containing very specific details that the child could not be expected to know, complete non-Jews who have no contact with Judaism that show habits or behavior which indicate a deep knowledge of Jewish customs and rituals, and some were Jews who, even though they come from a non-religious background, seem to have a grasp of Jewish mysticism. So he said he anyone that really knew vivid details, he would buy into a little more and dive a little deeper with them. 
So one story I wanted to read was from a man named David Strickland. For most of his life, David, who, and it's not the actor, because I was kept Googling David I was going to say, is that somebody? Not, like, cause David, David, who is that? There's an actor named David Strickland. I forget what show he was on, but then he like went to jail for assault, I think. Oh, Whoa, nice. Jesus. I know. David. And he kept popping up, and I was like, no, Google the other one. Um, yeah, I'll look it up. No worries. Yeah, I was like, go for, you can shout it out again at any time. Yeah. So this David, he was different. He was not Jewish, and he had an intense fascination with Judaism from a very young age. He had studied the Kabbalah and learned enough Hebrew to be able to read it. From the age of 13, he began to show what he himself describes as a morbid fascination with anything to do with the horrors of concentration camps. He says, quote, I just had to outstare the horror photos of tortured mangled bodies, and it extended to my nightmares. I could not let it go as though I were some sort of masochist, and it completely took over my life and took away my carefree childhood i had to face down and spiritually confront this evil whereas any other person would quickly avert his attention away at 18 i was so depressed i joined a religious cult which ended (gasps) up devastating my life oh my god In 1991, David had a spontaneous flash of a past life of his own great-grandfather, which seemed to make sense of many things in his present life. An obsession with trains and railways, for example, which is something he has had for as long as he can remember. He became interested in the whole topic of past life regression, and he learned to meditate and sort of taught himself the hypnotherapy to go deep inside himself. In this state of self-induced trance, he started to have visions of a rocky and wooded landscape containing American Indian settlement and saw scenes of Native American and his wife. Although he was looking at both figures from a vantage point outside of them, he knew that he was the Native American man himself. David stresses the importance of both these lives for him was not the physical memories, but the attitude of the mind and the perceptions that he had. He seemed to know things about himself and the lessons he had learned, and these people kept showing him things that he remembered. Then, sometime later, David saw another life in his trance, and he said... My present life has been one mostly of sorrow and torment, and now I know why. In bed one day, I had vivid flashbacks of being inside a prison camp with rows of barracks. I was a 13-year-old girl in a ragged gray frock, barefooted on a muddy ground, my left hand holding the right hand of my little brother. The two rows of barracks on the left and right ended at a T-junction with a building going across my vision. The year was 1944, and I knew I was going to die and that I would never see my brother again. I had another vision where I was ill and being carried on a stretcher and an obscene pace to my place of death. Lying on my back, the roofs of buildings swept past my vision. The last thing I saw was a tall chimney with black smoke escaping it. Then he says, a few days later, without mentioning this to anyone, a friend of mine that I constantly wrote back and forth with from Oklahoma wrote me to say that he had come to the knowledge that him and I were Holocaust victims in World War II together. It was totally out of the blue. We hadn't talked in a while, but we had had deep and prolonged correspondence up to that point that had taught, had touched on spiritual issues. It showed me that him and I did indeed live lives closely paralleled to each other. Soulmates. So at the age of 13, he said stuff really started kicking up for him. And he said in the past life as a Nazi victim, the victim died at the age of 13, which I thought was interesting. And he was 13 when he started so like, like really having memories. of and- dread that you're approaching something yeah, inevitable. Okay. It's like he had an inner feeling that something was going to happen. Or if this is a consciousness that's attaching to him, it's a 13 year old brain attaching to a 13 year old consciousness. Right. Yeah, that's very true. So I thought that was interesting and that his friend out of the blue was like, I think we were in the Holocaust Was his friend saying that he was like, so he thought he was a little girl 
Was his friend saying that he was the little brother? Or just that He just said he thought they went through it together. together. He didn't say if he was the little brother, but it's interesting that there was a brother a involved. Bro- and yeah. it could have been this guy that he felt spiritually connected to. So that's not could have been. Very true. So that's very interesting. Um, then the rabbi, I just have one more. The rabbi also wrote about a guy named Steve. There was no last name included. I think he just wanted to go by his first name. Um, Steve's memories of dying in the Holocaust began as childhood nightmares, as they always do. Throughout his life, these dreams and memories lurked just below the surface of consciousness, affecting him in many ways as phobias, physical ailments, and then also a talent that emerged. Steve was born in 1955, again like 10 years later. Mm -hmm. He was unable to digest food and spent the first year of his life in the hospital. He was basically allergic to everything, they said. He also had frequent nightmares about trying to climb the walls of his room. In these dreams, he was always a woman, and upon waking, upon wakening would find himself repeating a seemingly meaningless word that sounded like vendor swagons. In school, he wrote accounts of escaping from a camp and being wrongly accused, stories which caused very serious concern among his teachers, and they constantly wrote home and talked to his parents like, your kid is saying really dark, crazy things. You keeping your kid in a cage or something? Yeah. yeah. What's going Why on, guys? Your child. thinking this? At the age of 16, Steve miraculously started playing quality piano without having ever been trained. Whoa! But there was a dark side to this talent. Every time Steve Damn. sat down at a piano, he had nightmarish visions of playing for many starving children, very thin, emaciated kids. Ooh. He would try to make the children laugh, but could only cry inside because he knew that they were dying and there was nothing he could do. These impressions were so overwhelming that sometimes Steve could not go on playing after playing a beautiful tune that he'd never been taught. But then it was a mysterious phobia, which finally drove Steve to consult a hypnotherapist. Steve's neck was always extremely sensitive and he could not stand to have anyone even touch it or come near it. The very thought terrified him to his core. He knew the fear wasn't logical, but it wouldn't go away. And eventually the hypnotherapist was able to find out what was going on when they dug a little deeper. So when he went into his deep conscious state, Uncon- I guess unconscious state. I don't know what you call into it. His when, when into the consciousness. <laughs> they found out Steve had been a young Belgian woman who journeyed to Paris and got a job playing piano in a Jewish-owned nightclub. Mm-hmm. Through a series of mishaps, she was deported to po- Poland and falsely accused of being a Jew. This woman was not sent to a concentration camp at first, but to a part of town where everyone was crowded together, starving and dirty. So a ghetto, like a Jewish ghetto? Yes. So every morning, people would come out with carts to carry away the dead. Carts that were called vendor swagons. The strange word that Steve said as a child after his dreams and nightmares. So while in this ghetto, the woman entertained the starving children with her piano playing, trying to take away some of the sting of the deplorable conditions in which they were forced to live. Eventually, this woman was deported to a concentration camp. She and a friend attempted to escape, were recaptured, and then hung by the neck. At the moment of death, this woman felt ashamed to face anyone as if she had somehow let them down by failing to escape and get help. This feeling, along with the choking sensation of hanging, apparently carried over into the next life, which accounted for Steve's very sensitive neck that no one could even come near. So Steve's story was very interesting to the rabbi and to scientists and researchers everywhere who read these articles because he had the three telltale signs that people say are like the past life the nightmares that are very vivid they're recurring and 
recurring stories that keep coming out no matter what and they never change and he saw also saw himself in a distinctly distinctly different persona as a grown woman that's something so opposite of what he was right so knowledge beyond experience was evident in his touch of the word Venderswagen, which represented the essence of all the horror he had witnessed during the death and this ghastly place that he was stuck in as a woman. Was, so, were they able to track down the woman that he thought he was in I, a past life? Like, were they able to find her? Yeah, like any record said, of a, and a doo -doo -doo -doo. Belgium piano player. Yes, they were able to track down that the story was true. I don't know if they know what, what her... I don't know that I have her name listed here. I could probably look it up. But yes, they did find out that there was a woman who played piano in this Jewish ghetto for little children. Oh. So that was pretty crazy. I don't know about the hanging part, but they knew the piano part was true, which was nuts. But he, when he went into his consciousness, was like, I was hung. So, And again, know. this was a kid who was, this all happened when he was 16, you said? Yeah, in his that? teenage years. So it's interesting in the that 60s, it's not. Yeah. when there's no Google. Uh, no, no, couldn't do the no, research nothing. to I feel find like we have out. to reiterate that because like mm -hmm. most people now, it's just like, well, you could just look that yeah, up. Yeah, you could just look it up. Like, and oh, also, oh. you have to remember, the movies weren't out yet. The books weren't written yet. Yeah. We knew horrible things happened over there. Right. Because but we you were didn't told, know in detail. You didn't know the details. details. Like, you weren't like, able I was a woman to, like, playing a piano in this very specific town. Like, it's yeah. just crazy. And the wagon. And the idea of, like, Polish people right. being accused of mm -hmm. people who were not Jewish being accused of being Jewish and being murdered with mm -hmm. them. A lot of people could roll their eyes at a bunch of people, you know, at an alarming amount of cases of people coming forward and saying that they remember past lives of being in concentration camps in Nazi Germany um, during World War II. But 80 million people died. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't mm -hmm. like, it wasn't like 9-11. Not to say that that was like, you know. No. Yeah, we're not comparing horrible. disasters. We're not comparing the two, but. but it's, it's crazy. It is one of the, just the most horrible, tragic things that has ever happened. It's a disgrace. Yeah, you guys have talked about like negative energy being yeah. planted. I mean, like that's not even just negative energy on a space. That's negative energy on our planet. Yeah, like eighty million people yeah. dying brutal deaths. Like that can't be can't be contained to one country. No, I don't think. Like, I don't that's think so either. Something that would spread. That would spread. So it's oh, yeah. not surprising that there's enough to fill a book of right. people who claim to have these past memories yeah well, and it's people all over the world too memories. like there's i mean you can google it it would take me forever to read all of these stories but like yeah there's a little boy in finland who had a crazy experience like there's people in america there's people all over and the cool thing is like it's not just this rabbi there are lots of people um lots of jewish people who kind of love that this is happening because they're saying i love that those poor tortured souls got to live on like i want to believe that these stories are true because they got another chance after they were so brutally murdered. Yeah, fascinating hearing that these Jewish people ended up being born into like extreme Christian families. Yeah, mm -hmm. just that that idea that like it's not just con reincarnation. The belief or like the the phenomenon is not contained to India. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It transcends religion and race and can happen to to anyone right they're yeah. born into hindu families or christian families or atheist families yeah. like right. it doesn't matter what you were in your previous life and like a lot of times it doesn't even matter what gender you were yeah or anything like that it really is just a consciousness attaching to the first 
available. Right. Well, Fine. you covered a lot of this. So I actually want to let you borrow this book. Oh, please. Um, it's a guy named Hans Holzer. Mm-hmm. Great He's name. He's done a like ton of paranormal and parapsychological <gasps> research. And he did a book about reincarnation. Well, specifically about this therapy and hypnotherapy and, mm-hmm. and discovering past lives. And not only did he do these sessions. And the cool thing about him is that he always had someone with him. Mm. So that there was someone else there, not necessarily to corroborate his story, but to prove that like he didn't like maybe a skeptic kind of brought into like have a neutral stance. Someone who like could say that they didn't that this guy that Hans didn't guide these people to these thoughts when he hypnotized them. They said it. They got to it on their own. He helped them get there, but he didn't like implant memories. Mm -hmm. It It was their memories. And he in this book. Not only do they, you know, hear these stories from people, but like if a woman says like, I was, I I remember being, you know, in a castle in Germany, fucking went to Germany to do research on this castle. He would go to said castle and check yeah. out said uh, records. Do the research. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And he would corroborate it. with them or in, in, there's even some stories in the book where it's like, I couldn't find anything. Right. Yeah. So it's really interesting, but also... Like you were saying, there's actually different life situations that people um, attribute to reincarnation, like the birthmarks, mm-hmm. obviously, but also gender confusion yeah. is a big one. According to most beliefs in reincarnation, souls actually do tend to reincarnate more often as one sex or another. However, there are souls who have experienced lives as both and these are known, these are probably people that are extremely comfortable with their body and sexuality. Mm-hmm. If masculinity, femininity, or being male or female are issues that cause stress in your life, there are likely reasons that result back to previous lives. For example, you've always lived as a woman and you're now in the body of a man and you literally can't adjust to it. Which there are people who are transgender mm-hmm. who truly believe that they were a woman before there was one account that i read of a transgender uh, woman so she's in a man's body and she said i can feel the weight of my breasts and i don't have them i can feel them crazy and they're not there. That's all the work and no reward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? So, Carrying that oh weight around. You don't even I get know. To show and you don't even have the body that you want. Oh my gosh. So that would be this miserable. person was saying, like, I know that I've been a woman. I know that I have. I can feel my boobs. Yeah. And I don't have boobs. Right. right. Like, I know what they feel like on my chest. So that's actually a theory for gender confusion. Also, mm-hmm. sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. It could be that attraction continues on to a new life. So if you were male in a past life, attracted to women, and you're born again as a woman, you continue to be attracted to exclusively women. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Which, the thing that's interesting about that, that makes no one gay, no one straight, no one trans, no one asexual, everyone's equal and the exact same. It's just we have to walk around in these 
meat sacks yep. that happen <laughs> to have sexual organs for reproduction. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's all that that means. I think that's a really fascinating. That would theory. be a really I nice. Think that's a, that's a nice way thought. To put it. Yeah. yeah, everyone's equal. We're all just equal. And no we're one's stuck gay. In no one's straight. Pods we just we have, have to this fucking. That's a really nice theory. What we love, especially my body. My body's a disaster. Like. What happened? I'm a piece of what shit. is going on in there? <laughs> what is happening in here? Uh, empathy. Empathy is a sign, like I said earlier, of a very old soul. If you find it easy to find empathy for all walks of life, that probably means that you've lived a lot of walks of life. You've lived in those oh shoes boy, at no. one point or another. Physical ailments. Not sure about this one, but some people who believe in reincarnation also believe in passing on of physical ailments. For example, Someone with asthma may have died a heavy smoker in a past life. Mm. Most people don't believe that, but a lot of people um, believe this about fears, especially inexplicable ones. If you have an unexplainable fear of water, maybe you drowned in a past life. That Um, goes back to the phobias that you were saying. Yeah, especially like not wanting anyone to touch your neck. neck. Don't touch my neck. Um, Maybe you yeah, have this irrational fear of being hung. Well, and um, to jump back to ailments real quick, a lot in my research, it kind of falls under birthmarks, but mm-hmm. there were kids that were claiming to have past lives where they like were working in a factory and they lost like their hand and those children were born with stubbed fingers. They didn't have oh. fingers. And a boy who his brother died two years before he was born of like leukemia and like had cancer in his right eye. He was born with the same scars, like where they went in to operate on his brain. Oh my gosh. And he was blind in one eye. Whoa. Fascinating. See, mm-hmm. that stuff, like, how do you explain that? What a fucking coincidence. I know. There was a story that I read of a set of twins, and the twins died, and I don't know how they died, but this couple had another set of twins, like, years later. And these twins grew up. And they said that they were the first set of twins. Like both of them were like, no, we were here before. We're these twins. That's weird. And they had oh matching gosh. scars. One of them had, or not scars, birthmarks. Like one of them had a scar on her head from where she fell off her bike. Were the first twin The fell first off? twin fell off her bike. Gotcha. And then the next twin had the scar in the exact same place. I, so do crazy. I have this story here? No, I don't. And then the other twin... Had had a similar, had the same birthmark. So it wasn't a scar. She had the same birthmark in the same spot that the other twin had. Yeah, that's... The birthmark. That's bonkers, Tim. So yeah, fears. Like uh, if you maybe are fear of small spaces, maybe you were in solitary confinement mm-hmm. or locked away. Um, agoraphobia, maybe you were trampled. If you're afraid of like gra- crowds of people. Yeah. Doesn't work as much with things like arachnophobia because spiders are creepy. Yeah, spiders yeah, are. Icky. I think you can just. I think you can just like not like spiders. Have an extreme you know what I mean? Them. Yeah. I'm fine if they're like over in the corner. If they jump on my face, I'll be upset. Yeah. yeah. Don't want that jumping spider on no. my. Nose. I don't want them coming anywhere near me. <laughs> no. I want them to mind their own business. Kill they eat all the, the mosquitoes. Bugs. Go exactly. Ahead and eat your mosquitoes. Yes. Eat your bugs. Do leave your me thing. Alone. You Catch do them you. in your web. You be but, you. But <laughs> fear of horses, though. That mm-hmm. might tend to lean more. You had a bad experience once, you and if you've never a horse, encountered a horse I don't know. before, I'm fine when horses in the corner. But if they jump in my face, very true. Um, horse in my horse face. Hoof comes Not, at you. Into, it. <laughs> Not, Not into it. Anyway, so I just wanted to bring that up because no, that's interesting. 
Yeah, because very interesting. That guy I just read about had like all these crazy fears, and then also a talent that came out of nowhere. That's always crazy too. I really wish I could have that seriously. No, why? Like, yeah. Could I just been a past life be like a tap dancer? Because right. that's one thing that I don't want to put in the effort to learn. No, but like I if I could just know it. how to tap dance at parties. You know, true. You but wouldn't you want to have a talent you could make money off of a off of a of, of, you of, could be no, I'm an a chorus on a Broadway show tap dancing away and very making, true. Like, no, it's just one of those things I want to pull out at parties. Like it's a fun uh, trick. you just want to like Jessica <laughs> Day into a party. I just saw Mary Poppins a couple of weekends ago, and the what's the one song with the big tap number? Oh, with the penguins. Yeah, in the movie, it's the penguins. And the bl- yeah, what is that song with all the chimney sweeps? Why am it's I playing? It's a jolly holiday with Mary. No, with no. oh, tap Jimmy. Yeah, but they it was with the that made me sweeps. want to tap dance so badly. <laughs> it's just it's a stupid, stupid it's dumb, thing. But it's great for anybody to know. But when somebody can do it well, you're like, oh my oh, god! My jaw was on the floor god. how fast these people were tap 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 in their toes. Anyway, <laughs> soulmates. Mm-hmm. Like Aww. you were saying, um, having a strange connection with another person could be a coworker, a neighbor, family member, you can't your husband, explain. your sibling, someone you've maybe not your sibling because that is explainable, but like an inexplicably <laughs> immediately, like if you've immediately liked or disliked someone, mm. that may it's true. It goes both ways. Yeah, that may indicate a positive or negative experience with that person. Or someone like that person. Step in time. That's the song. Oh, my God. Step in time light. <laughs> step in time light. Uh, da, 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 step in time. Da, 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 step okay. in time. I'm so sorry. We don't have it's the royalties fine. for that. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, please. <laughs> we don't have royalties for anything we sing, yeah, which we is sing everything that we sing. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Sing the whole score. Uh, I'll wait. Let me do the entire guitar solo from Freebird. Here we go. <laughs> And I was born with the ability because I was reincarnated. (laughs) Yeah. So having that strange connection, like if you meet someone, you're like, I feel like I fucking know them. Yeah. Like that's happened a bunch of times. Yeah. I have that all the time. Yeah. Or just having like a strange connection. Like you and I, how like stuff at the same time all the time. Literally every episode, probably we do the same thing. And it's like, what is Joe's commented on that before? Like, what is that? Yeah. And like it'll be something so stupid, like oh, we sigh in yeah. the exact like in same harmony voice. at yeah. the same time. Well, also weird. we remember we say remember <laughs> we say what's her toes? Yeah, we both say what's her toes, but no one else in our family. I've says never it. heard that except on this podcast. And I, know. I do love it. We, I heard you say it first, and I was just like, oh my god, what's her? No, toes? but we. But I have heard Ashley this say was, it many a time too, and I have said it since I was little. But oh my, my mom's God. like, I, she's like, I don't know where you got it. We've What's never said it. Five years ago Weird. or so, I realized I was like, I was like, where do you get what's her toes? Like, is that from a thing? And you're like, no, I've said it since I was little. And I was like, I always have yeah. said it too. Like, <laughs> and I know that I have because I literally wrote it in someone's yearbook. 
So I know that I've said it since way before I met Why you. Why would you yeah. write what's her toes? I don't know. know. How, you know how you write like really bad quotes that aren't funny at all, well, but like, like you were just making fun of somebody funny. else. So like, uh, what's her what toes? Probably was. And oh, somebody read that in their yearbook and was like, what the, she what the fuck? She doesn't even know who I am. Have a great say? summer. What's her toes? What's her toes? Enjoy your life. So like I definitely said it before I met you. Yeah. You've been saying it since you were five. As far as we can tell, it's not in a movie no. or a song. Nope. Like we can't no. figure out where we got where it. It's from. But we both were like, "You say what's her toes?" <laughs> we both say Makes what's no her sense. toes or what's his toes. You guys are sisters in which a previous is life. We might have been sisters from a past life who made up a weird thing. You guys used to cut off your victims' toes. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! <laughs> Probably that's why we're so macabre. Keep them in little baggies. So we have plenty of time. Do you want to tell your LL Cool J story? Oh my God, can I tell my LL Cool J story? LL Cool J stories are always welcome. So I'm very obsessed with this show called uh, Finding Your Roots on PBS. I'm very obsessed with PBS. It's one of the only platforms I pay for. PBS rocks. Because I'm a 90-year-old grandmother. Join the club. Yeah, right? Is this the 90-year-old grandmother podcast? It is. Wonderful. People are being too loud. (laughs) Get off my lawn. Okay, so if you're not familiar with the show, uh, celebrities like to go on and basically find the roots. Yeah, <laughs> if anybody's done the Ancestry.com, it's just uh, yes. that on steroids. It's like a host that like this is his profession and then like they test your DNA against everything and they put it in this nice little pretty book and they surprise you with it when you come on the show. So like, oh, I don't know anything about my dad's side of the family. Well, great. We're going to tell you everything. That's fun. Uh, That's really cool. It's really awesome. LL Cool J shows up on an episode. Ladies love Cool J. Oh my God. You know that's his name. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I found that out on the show. Ladies (laughs) Ladies love Cool J. I didn't know that until I... Joe and I watched Deep Blue Sea like seven months ago. Mm-hmm. We got really high and we watched Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> the and, only way to uh, watch Deep Blue Sea. This is the yeah. only way to watch it. It's a brilliant movie. If you haven't seen it, hi, watch Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> and, Everyone uh, watch it. And he was like, Lady, ladies love Cool James. And I was like, that's funny. And he was like, that's his. That's, that's what, what LL Cool James is. And I was for. like, yeah, for sure. I knew that before <laughs> yeah. you said it oh, to me really just now. Da- like he came up with it when he was like, 15 and it Which sounds like something a 15 year old would come but up LL with. LL Cool J sounds fucking cool yeah. awesome. Yeah. Go on. Okay. So he goes on the show. He doesn't know a lot about his family, but they do start with, unfortunately, LL witnessed a tragedy at an early age. Mm-hmm. Um, like his life was scarred by violence in 1972. His parents split up and his mother took him to live with his, her parents. And he was about four years old. So they went to live with his grandparents. And it was really sweet. Like he's quoted as saying in the episode, like his grandparents jumped into the void with two feet. They treated me so good. They embraced me and built me up. They were just Mm. such sweet people. But less than after a year, uh, he started, they started living with his grandparents in August of 1972. His father that had just split up, his father came to the house armed with a shotgun in a fit of rage, his father shot his mother and his grandfather. Oh, my God. Both survived. Both oh. survived. But, jeez. Um, but LL vividly remembers the sight of his mother lying on the ground moaning. Oh, and Jesus. his grandfather hunched over bleeding from his chest. His oh mother God. was so badly injured that she couldn't walk for months. So horrible. How old was he? He know? was about four years old. Ugh. 
and that's like that's so just sad. it. He remember like he remembers that. Um, that's something that stays with you. Yeah. So they go on to like go on about the rest of his life and his family members, um, but they can't actually get very far. In the show, they test guest DNA against a national database. So like they. The guests, the celebrities come on, they give their DNA, they test it. Um, and in this case, LL's mother, Andrea Griffin, uh, also had her DNA tested. And that's when they discovered something odd. Her DNA matched a completely random person from the database, Joan Lewis, as a first cousin. This led to an in-depth investigation that resulted in the discovery that Ella's grandparents, Eugene Griffin and Ellen Hightower, were not his biological grandparents oh. and that they had in fact adopted Andrea and never told her. Oh, whoa. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, they were deceased at this point, so yeah. they can, and like his mom is old enough. She's like, I totally understand why they did, that they did what they did. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like just the amazing thing of they loved oh. him, they loved her, like. Yeah. Yeah. Just. It was a good relationship. Yeah. So like I said, most of the time they surprised their guests with their family tree, but this was a mo- like so monumental that they called LL and Andrea first to make sure it was okay. Yeah. Because it's a about huge this. shocker to be like, yeah. hey, your parents yeah. are your parents. This is like the, remember the guy who interviewed Jack Nicholson and was like how does it feel that your sister raised you as or your mother raised you as your sister and he was like what what (laughs) it was like yeah your mom's your sister and your grandma's your mom and it was like excuse me I thought this was Rolling Stone (laughs) (laughs) I was just here for a lovely day yeah geez Uh, but no they were nice and considerate Um, but yeah he was very okay with it so it is PBS after all yeah true Oscar and, the Grouch works there. Right. Uh, he wouldn't. Oscar the Grouch wouldn't have told them. He wouldn't have cared. Doesn't he work no. at HBO now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he can curse now. moved over there. Yeah. But so he agreed Very to go on the... On this <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I missed it. She was just as soon as I said HBO, her eyes narrowed and she got like, very upset. And I was like, "Oh no!" Do we a- not talk about HBO? I guess I just not. didn't know what? that uh, Sesame Street was on HBO because oh, no one tells yes. me fucking I'm anything sorry. anymore. Oh, and now I'm mad about That's it. Go on. Your life. So while they told him that, okay, we're gonna like your grandparents aren't your parents, but like the rest of it was still, are you okay with discovering it on the show? And he was like, "Yeah, sure, fine." So all this was news to him. And they found that Andrea's biological father was named Nathaniel Christie Lewis. He was raised in Arizona. And I actually have a picture here of him. And it's one of those. This is just genetics. This isn't reincarnation. But like this is. Oh, my gosh. He looks just like him. And that's LL. Like Whoa. it's he looks just like, like his grandpa. Oh, he looks yeah. so much like granddad. They are the exact same person. That's great. Wow, that's really cute. Yeah. So when they showed that, he was just like, "Oh my god, of Ham, course I can hello. see myself." Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very cool. This is where the weird coincidences start. LL has stated that he has always loved boxing. He used to do it. He's a fan of it. He loves it. His mother loves boxing. They're just like on the back of his second album cover. He's like boxing on the back of it. mm -hmm. Well, Nathaniel Christie Lewis was a professional boxer, (gasps) uh, a somewhat well-known boxer, along with all of his brothers and LL's great grandfather. So Nathaniel's father ran a boxing gym in Arizona. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that's one of those things like that doesn't sound like 
way out there but for not knowing these people never yeah. meeting them before in your life you've got a hobby that's passed down right through dna that's cool and upon discovering this ll says like it makes you wonder if your dna can carry shadows or consciousness and mm. that's what really got me thinking like yeah like yeah, can you it? inherit like your grandpa's male pa- pattern baldness you don't yeah. In- yeah. You inherit his your yeah. Aunt's schizophrenia. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> not like... necessarily the hobby, the yeah. interest. Especially as someone you've never met before. Right. So, further down the line, um, it actually is really cool. The more they go into his story, like his ancestors were from Ohio. And unfortunately, it's a trend when uh, African Americans go on the show, you go back far enough and it's like, okay, this is as far as we can go, can go back. Yeah. Yeah. But with mm-hmm. his family, he they were very fortunate. They grew up in Ohio and Pennsylvania, both of which were free states. Yeah. Pennsylvania abolished slavery before the Civil War, and Ohio, like when it was created, was a free state. So LL's great-grandfather, John Edward Lewis, was living in Ohio as a 10-year-old boy with his mother, father, brother, and sister. And he had, the host had LL read an article that was dated August 28th, 1882. And it's reported that John's older brother, who was 14, was playing with a revolver behind Mrs. Lewis when the weapon was discharged, the ball taking effect in Mrs. Lewis's head, entering the rear and below the right ear. The shooting was no doubt accidental. The boy who did the shooting was almost wild with excitement and grief, and the daughter, who is about 16 of age, and the brother, who's about 10, that was LL's great-grandfather, told the terrible story and the anguish which they suffered at the sudden loss of their mother. And upon learning this, LL's first response was, he saw the same thing as me. So his great-grandfather watched his mother get shot. Yeah. LL, when he was four, watched watched his his mother mother get get shot. shot. And it's one of those, like, it's not perfectly lined up. It's not another husband. It's not anything anything like that. But that's such a weird coincidence that seemed to get passed down through a family tree Yeah, that... When you're talking about reincarnation, it's I'm sure LL is not like his grandfather, but there's some kind of energy. There's some kind of soul. Yeah. There's some kind of consciousness that was passed through DNA that number one brought the hobby about mm-hmm. and number two, like this, brought circumstance. That's when you start to that's question crazy. like fate and things like that. Yeah. I don't yeah. believe in fate, but it's one of those things like that's. That's really weird. Yeah. It just makes you wonder. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, the thing is, I don't believe in fate, but I also don't believe in coincidences. Right. So I don't believe that like my death is determined or my, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't believe that like my day to day life is determined by fate, but I definitely, when something happens, that's like, this is beyond what I can actually. When you don't have another reasonable explanation it's like I don't believe in coincidences. Right. There's some things that happen that are just too fucking crazy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I want to reiterate, like, the thing, I just realized this when I was typing it up. LL witnessed his the shooting at his house in 1972, in August of 1972. The shooting that his grandfather witnessed was in August of 1882. Oh, my Another just very that's weird. Not call it's a if it's a coincidence, it's a weird fucking it's a coincidence. Really weird fucking very coincidence. Bizarre. Just it also kind of bugs me just a little bit on the 
why wasn't it a hundred years? Right. Like that would have just been so. Could have been a lot better, but it was ninety. Yeah, but I mean, still August seventy two, eighty two. Yeah, that's just weird. It's very, um, but yeah, I just really like that story, and it's yeah. one you can't find online. And a lot of people we hear these stories, and it's just like, oh, so and so said, oh, so and so said. I mean, you can call this whatever you want to call it, but go and watch. Yeah, it's on the episode. Finding your roots Finding on PBS, roots. and you will just hear the exact same reiterated by none other than LL Cool J. Then ladies love Cool James. Lady mm. love, ladies love Cool James. <laughs> I have one more story as well. Yay! So this is an actual study that was done on reincarnation, and it's insane. So this is a story of two Indian women named Shiva Tripatri. No, Shiva Kamini Sonakandakra (laughs) and Sumitra Singh. Okay, so we'll say Shiva and Sumitra. Yes. There you go. This and actually, even Stevens, yeah, did everybody's favorite investigate this case. This case was investigated by over 45 people. Wow, really, from police officers to psychotherapists to people that believe in ESP, people that believe in reincarnation, religious uh, practitioners, psychologists. This case was was investigated by so many people, it's insane. So, Shiva and Sumitra. Shiva was born in October of 1962, October 24th, 1962. Her father was a college lecturer. She grew up in the city and graduated from college with with a bachelor in home economics. And this was a time in 1962 in India where... Girls didn't get to go to college. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like home economics is what they could strive for. Yes. Yeah. That was That's that was a big deal. Level. They weren't, you know, they were wealthy. They weren't living in a castle, mm-hmm. you know, paved with gold, but they were Did they very have castles well off. in India? Well, they had temples. Okay. Right? <laughs> 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 <was a> temple. <laughs> so at age 18, she entered into an arranged marriage. And moved in with the man's family in a small town. The couple had two sons. There was a considerable amount of animosity between Shiva and her in-laws. The researchers who first investigated the case speculated that the in-laws were irritated by Shiva's superior education and more independent manners. Basically, they thought she was snooty and had too many opinions. Whoa. She was an educated woman. However, Sorry for knowing I things. don't like these guys. An Indian psychologist who also investigated the case wrote that he felt they considered her dowry insufficient and often complained about this verbally around her, which caused friction. This was 1962. Let, or, well, actually, no. She was born in 1962, so this was like 1980. But still, yeah. the listeners can't see India. the like scowl I have on my face right now. But you like, have I'm the same face that I had so when hard. she said HBO had Sesame Street. Yeah, <laughs> it's the exact same face. You as have the exact uh, same face as Sesame Street on HBO. Scowl. <laughs> Whatever the cause, the fighting came to a head in May of 1985 when Shiva's in-laws 
forbade her to attend either an exam or a wedding of a member of her birth family. The sources differ on this depending on which family member you very ask. Different. It's yeah. very different. Different, but like it was something important. It was something important, and this was her family in law. This was like her husband's family that was reporting these. Mm-hmm. And there's some shady shit that goes on with her husband's family. So, so they might be covering something up. Their stories yeah. are not aligned. Dun, so, dun, dun. Yeah. Very sad. On the evening of May 18th, 1985, Shiva's maternal uncle by marriage visited the family. And was told by a crying Shiva that her mother-in-law and one of her sisters-in-law had beaten her. Mm. He tried to intervene, but to no avail. The next morning, the uncle heard that Shiva's body had been found on railway tracks at a nearby station. Her in-laws claimed she had thrown herself in front of the train by way of suicide. Hmm. When it was discovered, um, well, according to her birth sister... Um, when her body was discovered, her body was discovered lying between two rails okay. um, and was completely intact except for a horrible injury to her head. Hmm. So, so apparently like she was standing the on train the... only hit her head. Oh, well, no, that one. Yeah. God bless, bless you. Yeah. God, God bless, bless you. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> So her in-law said, according to her birth sister, she and her husband were the first to see the body. And she said her head was bashed and the brains were showing almost Hmm. like pulp. So she got creamed. Regardless, it was ruled a suicide. Her husband and her father-in-law were arrested, but eventually released due to lack of evidence. Same goes months later with her sister and mother-in-law who went into hiding after she was found dead. Well, that's not suspicious. Pretty suspicious. Now, Sumitra Singh was born around 1968. She was much less well-off than Shiva and her family. They were very lower class. Sumitra never attended school. She was taught reading and writing by her cousin who only attended school for a year. So her skills were very limited around kindergarten level. She was entered into an arranged marriage at age 13 and moved in with his family. And she gave birth to a boy three years later at age 16. A month or two after that, Sumitra began having episodes of loss of consciousness in which her eyes would roll upwards and she would clench her teeth. These events could last um, as little as a few minutes or an entire day. Jesus. Sometimes she would talk during these events and claim to be different people. Once a woman who had drowned herself in a well. Once a man from another part of India who was very confused about where he was and why he was a woman. (laughs) On July. (laughs) I like that just like very natural like if reincarnation exists. Like what the fuck is going on? Where am I? Why do I have a badge? What is happening? (laughs) I do like that very natural. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not meant to be here. What is happening? No one told me this would happen. Uh, Love it. (laughs) On July 16th, 1985, Sumitra told her family that she thought she was going to die. On July 19th, three days later, after an unexplained fever, she lost consciousness and she died. Man. Eyewitnesses agree that her respiration and pulse stopped. Her face drained of blood for at least five minutes. Her family even began to moan their loss. And then she came back to life. Oh. 
However, her identity was completely changed and she now called herself Shiva Tripathi. No way. And in the coming days and weeks, she showed such a complete knowledge of Shiva's life and relationships as to convince Shiva's own family that she was actually Shiva living in a different no. body. Oh, my gosh. There was a huge investigation, like I said, by psychiatrists, physiologists, paranormal researchers, the police, religious um, leaders, people, whoever. leaders. Uh, first, they interviewed people to ascertain that the two families had no previous contact of any kind, including the knowledge of Shiva's death. They could find no connection whatsoever. First of all, this is 1985 in India. They were 60 miles apart. Wow. Why on this earth was not would they the know next each town other? Over. They wouldn't know each other. Mm-mm. What um, was the year of Shiva's actual death again? Was it Shiva died sorry. in? Hold on, let me. Find like, it. was it like moments before yeah, this I was woman had ask a that too. Shiva died May of 1985? Oh yeah, and July of 1985 <gasps> is when Sumitra. So died. very soon after. There it is. Okay, close. So Sumitra had different handwriting. A complete different way of speaking. She didn't recognize anyone in her family. She recognized everyone by name in Shiva's family. She didn't know her own family She didn't give a shit about her husband, her new baby. She didn't know who they were. She woke up and was like, I don't understand who you are. My name is Shiva. I don't know why you keep calling me Sumitra. That is not my name. What is happening? Because the last thing, here's the thing, the last thing that Shiva remembers is being hit over the head by Mm. her mother-in-law. And then she wakes up in the hospital wondering who the fuck all these people are and why they keep calling her Sumitra. Oh, my God. Oh, man. She cried and cried for her two sons. She couldn't understand why these people wouldn't let her see her sons. Yeah. They were like, you don't have two sons. You have you this baby. You imagine that frustration? Oh, like, my God. Let yeah. me see my family. Please let me see my family. That I sounds don't like understand the personal who I am. That is yeah. a personal hell right there. I don't understand who I am. I don't understand why you're calling me this other person's name. I don't know who the fuck you are. Yeah. So eventually. I mean, she's got to see a mirror or something. I mean, I'm sure did, that doesn't yeah. right. Eventually. But like, yeah. She was like, that moment. Like, even shit. then, she was like, I don't know what's happening. Can yeah. You imagine that moment of looking in the mirror oh and it's a God. totally not different face that's totally my face. Your that's not my body are you kidding me that's insane i can't so um despite the families living 60 miles apart she was able to give the police a list of verified information about herself <laughs> shiva to prove she was her and that she wasn't lying she described a particular yellow sari she had owned a watch that she had owned and the box in which it was kept. The order in which her maternal uncles were born, a pet name for her used by her family, the names of two schools where she had studied, the pet names of her two children, the names of three friends, and a large handful of family members, none of which had been in the police report on Shiva's death if she had happened to read it. Come upon it, yes. 
Those are just like lying around all the place. In 1985 in India. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She was able to identify six family members in a photograph that had been taken 18 years prior. So it wasn't even a current photograph. Oh, golly gosh. Her ability to read and write improved dramatically. Her letter writing became frequent and she wrote her old family very often. Because if you remember, Shiva's old family, not her in-laws, her actual family believed it to be her. And they continued a relationship through for the rest of her life with all the stuff she knew she knew everything about her old life but how awful is that for what was it sumitra's family i was just all of a sudden it's like your daughter's your daughter did die your daughter died your daughter your daughter died this new life that seems so unfair yeah to go all the way back to like the karma and the just and all that stuff like we were saying oh but again reincarnation is so just but like this sounds so unfair sumitra seems like just died out of nowhere Right. Sumitra, yeah, she yeah. just got sick. Like, she like got a very fever. Unfair. Like a conscious, Shiva's consciousness like was took just like, over her body. Well, and the thing is, it's really weird. So she, this is actually kind of sad. She was actually, before they had all these people come in and investigate, she was deemed possessed and had to go through like horrible torture continuously for a long period oh, of time God. by exorcist and spirit healers. But to no avail. She was not yeah. possessed. She was Shiva. Does it go into any detail in like what the exorcism is in Indian religion? No, I okay. didn't read anything about that. I should research that though, because that would be interesting. She, I'm sure it's the same here, where it's like you're not fed, or here right. in, in Rome and wherever else, like you're not fed. You don't get any water. Right. And you but I've always wondered like why demons respond to like the Christian faith and not like mm. the Hindu faith. There is or... a really cool scene in. Uh, have you ever seen Constantine with Keanu Reeves? Of course I yes. have. Of course. So the first scene with the demon where he's performing the exorcism and he has that like key ring full of different like religion. Like spiritual. Yeah. And he holds them up to the light and he gets to one and the demon's like. <laughs> so he knows yeah. it's like Hindu. Or oh, this is the one I want. When I think of that, I think of the classic film, The Mummy from the 1990s. Oh, yes, where Benny the is like going through yes. the necklaces, <laughs> like <laughs> saying all the different prayers. And finally he gets to like the Jewish one and he's like, oh, language of the slaves. I I, you will yeah. be my new servant. And I'm like, oh, okay. Thanks, mummy. It's the exact same thing. Okay, cool. The Mummy with Brendan Fraser is the exact same movie as Constantine. They are exactly the same. They are the exact same movie. Why can't those two star in a movie together? I know this is so off topic. Who? Keanu Brendan, and Brendan Keanu Fraser. And Brendan? Yeah. I'm in. Let's do, do it. Because where have is Brendan Fraser? That I'm also is like, the where, best like, question. What's he been in lately? You know I what? I actually so read a really cool article still doing some because Brendan Fraser is not known as like the best actor who's no. ever lived. No. But I actually read a really cool article with him recently. It was posted by... It was posted by someone who's like a little bit of a snob when it comes to like movies and actors and blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. You wouldn't blah. expect them to post about Brendan Yeah, Fraser. and they even said like, I'm not a fan of his work yeah. in any way. No. However, George read the this article. Book? Airheads? Right? Oh, it's Sino Man. Airheads. So in this article, like Brendan Fraser is just talking about his career and talking about like the path that he took and the path like when he stopped getting roles. Yeah. And he just seemed so wonderful. Yeah. Like he just seemed like a really nice fucking guy. And we all he know really looks like we a really all nice know guy. Keanu Reeves is a fucking is an, angel. Is an amazing guy. From God. Yeah. He's perfect. Why aren't they friends? Okay. Are they friends? Yeah. Wait. 2020 we Keanu Reeves. Reeves. Brendan Fraser. <laughs> 
Justin Trudeau a run for his money for the dream. They're both perfect dream and yes. dreamy and lovely. And they've gone through tragedy probably yes. and also well, they don't know for sure. I don't know about Brendan, Brendan but definitely Keanu. Keanu, yes. Keanu has and they're Brendan very close has. to Buddha. They got a little Buddha in them. Yeah, they got oh, a little Buddha in them. A little Buddha. Little, okay. Buddha babies. little Buddha babies. Little Buddha babies. Okay, so Aww. sorry. Brendan and Keanu. And we're back. What Wait, I was what were we saying, even talking about? She remained Shiva apart. <laughs> oh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Shiva. Sorry, sorry Shiva. Sumitra. Sorry, Sumitra. She remained in the Shiva persona apart from a very brief reemergence of Sumitra. Oh, no. She became confused for a few hours and seemed to resume her ordinary personality in the no. autumn of 1986. That so it's almost yes. as if Sumitra was like Trying in there with in. What if that she makes, was just that completely makes it so much worse and like watching? I don't like, know. Yeah, oh, she this just woman's has to living my life, but I'm in That makes too. it so That's much worse. another Black Mirror episode, God. But all of this consciousness took me all in Black Mirror. She was never allowed to see her children again. Her uh, Shiva, oh Shiva's husband's family, did not believe that she was Shiva. Why would well, they? they were she terrible her. people, right? And had no contact with her. She mourned them greatly, and she lived the rest of her life as Shiva. And Sumitra never returned. Mm. Investigators into the case found that her two boys had no memory of their birth mother, and we they were being raised by a paternal aunt, so they didn't even tell. Jeez. her children about her good lord with all the investigations they were not able to disprove this case some people argued that maybe she was doing it for attention or to try and rise to middle class life but that doesn't explain how she did it yeah, yeah. nor why she would continue to do it for the rest of her life because mm-hmm. the thing is is like if you did that and like nothing came of it you'd eventually be like all right I yeah should, 15 like, years right. later you could give up the axe yes. yeah cut it out she lived the rest of her life as Shiva. Is she still alive today? Was no. Shiva. Okay. She actually only lived for about 15 more years because oh, wow. the body still had complications from the birth. Uh, oh, I guess that's true. Which is what Sumitra died from, actually, was complications after childbirth. Oh, okay. I wondered because it seemed like all the Maybe that is the kind of thing that Sumat- or Sumitra was supposed to die. Mm-hmm. And then Shiva took well, on like, like we a said, host kind of, and Shiva yeah. deserved to come back because she was so unfairly treated. Treated, maybe yeah. that's kind of well. The and the karma thing is, she all. died a very violent death, and Just like right. I said, we like Shiva at first didn't know that she had died. At first, yeah. she was like, "I, I all I remember is I got hit over the head, and now I'm in the now, hospital." Yeah, wake up. Yeah, but they were like, "No, you're not Shiva. You're Sumitra, and you died." But then years later, she started to remember what happened in the in-between time because there was like two months between the two. And I you guys should read that on your own. It's pretty fascinating. Well, I was going to say, can I go into it a little bit? Yeah. When I was researching, they were talking about how uh, a lot of cases they found it's just basically it stops at death and then like they wake up in a new body. But there were numerous cases where between like 16 months to a year, they would remember their funerals, what happened with their loved ones. Um, there was one specific one. Again, I think I want to say in like Thailand or like Burm or what did I say? Myanmar. Yeah. Where a person wanted their ashes buried under this specific tree and she saw that her ashes instead were scattered. 
So when she was reincarnated into this little girl and she that was one of her complaints. It's like, I need to go back. I need to make sure my ashes are buried. And when they contacted the family, they were like, well, the roots were too thick. They were too deep. We couldn't we couldn't bury you. That's why we scattered them. But that was a connecting thing. Of, oh my yeah, gosh, the spirit saw that like this little girl is like, hey, what'd you do to my ashes? Yeah. You're like, ah! Well, that's like, remember Joe's story? About his, Which one? when Joe's father's mother passed away. Oh, was this the clock? Oh, this I don't think I've clock. heard that. I yeah. won't tell the whole story, but when his father, his grandmother passed away, essentially, his girlfriend, his dad, his, so his name's Joe Oaks too. That makes this very hard. Mm-hmm. So we'll Joseph call him Senior. Joseph Senior. Senior. Yes. Yeah. Joe Senior was dating, is still to this day dating a girl named Lori. And um, he was having some like weird stuff happen. At his house, like paranormal stuff, like stuff being moved. But he's a skeptic. Like I say, he sure. doesn't believe in it. He'll chalk and it up to he Lori yeah. is a very like mystical person. She's had paranormal experiences before. Like why she do totally those two believes. always attract? I know yeah, skeptical nuts. and like not even the religious, just the like I believe just in like I totally yeah. believe in everything. I buy it all. <laughs> Spirits and stones. Yep. So she regularly throughout her life goes to see psychics Mm -hmm. and like uh, uh, mediums just to like, just because the thing is about psychics and mediums and tarot card readers, they don't necessarily reveal to you your future or anything like that, especially with tarot cards. Like all they do is take you out of your own head and present to you situations that make you observe your own life outside of yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. That's all they do. Right. However, every once in a while, a medium does something insane, and this medium did. So well, they communicate with spirits, right? Yes. Yeah. So she went to see this medium, this psychic, and and uh, this medium said, I have a woman here, and this older woman here, and she's with a younger woman. She described them, and Lori was like, I don't, I don't yeah. think so. I don't know who that is. Right. And she was like, well, the woman's saying, you know, the, the woman's talking and now the younger woman's trying to cut in and the other woman says, the older woman says, like, don't interrupt me. Wait your turn. I'm talking. <laughs> and Just a couple the of bickering older, old yeah. biddies and in the, the older woman says, tell him, I don't care what you do with my body. Just bury me already. So later, Lori, Joe Sr.'s girlfriend, tells him about her visit with the medium, Mm -hmm. and he's shocked because that is not only his grandmother that she's described to him, it's also his sister who died. So it's Joe's grandmother, I'm sorry, his mother and his sister. So Joe, my Joe's grandmother and aunt. Who would constantly bicker like that? Oh my god, that's adorable! <laughs> and not only that, this was in Connecticut, right? Okay. They were having all these arguments about what to do with her, whether to bury her, cremate her, blah 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 blah. She had died in the winter. This was spring, but the thing is, you can't bury people in the winter. The ground's no, the frozen. Ground the ground's frozen. frozen. So this is like so spring. Just bury me already. And she's literally telling this medium, tell them I don't care what they do with my oh body. My God. Just bury me already. Lori didn't even know that they hadn't buried his yeah, mother yet. 
She just knew his mom died. She didn't know so that. Crazy. That's I'd forgotten about great. that. Story. Her body I was like it. in a freezer, like waiting to be buried or cremated or like waiting for them to like make the decision of like when's the funeral, where is it, right. you know, what's what's it gonna be, and, and that's they were an arguing. amazing story. Yeah, that's like one of those like okay, skeptics, you explain that. Yeah, tell explain me about it. That. That's great. The only way you can explain it is that someone was lying. But the thing is, Joe's father. Doesn't believe in this. So what does he chalk this what up to? What does he chalk this up to? One. Wasn't he like and floored two, and so he shocked? Was, he was shocked. But yeah. the thing is, like around this time, like I said, I'll tell you more about it later because we've talked about it on the podcast before. Oh, okay, A lot sorry. of other weird stuff was happening too. Okay. Yeah, it's a so, crazy town story. Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> so with all the investigations, they were not able to disprove this case. Like I said, some people thought she was doing it for attention, but that doesn't explain how she did it. And um, after X amount of years, you would just go back to the way it was. Mm-hmm. Now, the biggest argument against this case with all of the people that investigated this case, the biggest argument is that some people think she may have been psychic. And the reason she could point out all the people in the photos was because she was reading the mind of whoever had the photo. But even if that was the case, uh... How is that not just as crazy you have to believe in a psychic How is over that reincarnation? Not She's not reborn. She's just a psychic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind then. Nothing Still to see crazy. here. The investigators were even like, okay, well, if that's true. She's the strongest psychic we've, we've ever encountered. Met. Yeah. So how oh is that God. more crazy? Let's still write a million articles about right. her. Please so and thank you. Both women are dead now, unfortunately. And man, there's that is a everyone's just left shrugging their shoulders. Yeah. Like, We're all just scratching our noggins. Know, man. What yeah. happened? I don't know. Wow. I can't explain it. That's definitely the craziest yeah. of the tales. That's really but, fun, you know, though. Shiva died a really Brutal death. and tragic. It's really and fun in a death. really tragic way. Yeah, is yeah. what I meant. Yeah, Shiva I mean, it's got another chance. She was given another chance. And which you is, know what I, mean, I think, nice. though, too. Yeah. Here's the thing: I don't think Sumitra was stuck in there. I don't. Oh, I God. think that when she was, the thing is, they've been essentially exorcism is essentially torture. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you believe in demons possessing a body, which I technically like, I've read enough that I think that it's possible. It's in the Bible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's in, hard to not be religious and still believe in possession, which exactly. is where I'm at. Yeah. Like, I don't believe in, like, I think organized religion is a crock. Sorry, mom, if you ever <laughs> listen to this. Um, but, like, I still read all the accounts. I read that demonologist book, and yeah. you can't read that stuff and not go, well, well they, the, these demons believe in a religion. Yeah. Yeah. So. You can't believe in a heaven without believing in hell. Right. Right. You can't believe in God without believing in the devil. And the thing yeah. is, too, even if you're not religious at all, you can't believe in positive vibes and not believe in negative vibes. Right. Yes. There's constantly an equal and opposite yeah. force. So it's what the new Star Wars is all about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I totally know all about this. Um, (laughs) balance of the force Ashley (laughs) so I don't believe she was in there exorcism is essentially torture whether you believe in demons or not you are either torturing the demons out Mm -hmm. or if there are no demons you're torturing these people to death yeah exorcism is a very very arduous and dangerous thing so I honestly think that when they're like oh Sumitra came 
I honestly think Shiva was pretending to be her so they would stop just get off they of that for a second. Yeah. Whatever like, they okay, whatever fine, they were person. doing to her, yeah. I think that she was like, fine, I'm this person. I really hope so. Because it would that that's would the most so devastating thing to think, thing to think if uh what God, I'm Sumitra, Sumitra is just yeah. being trapped. Well that would be the thing is like if that was the case, you could have an argument for split personality. But the problem is one of these personalities actually fucking exists. There's factual yeah. There Evidence is a real to, person yeah. to attach yeah. to this personality, and then that's not just like, thing hey, to I think have about. Like, if you have multiple personalities, what if that's several souls getting stuck in the same vessel? Right. Could be true. I can't talk about this anymore. It could I go am. on and <laughs> on. It could go on forever and ever <laughs> and ever and ever. For the Last rest of thing, though, I life. do want to know, we were talking about people remembering the in-between. I want to know oh, yeah. why pe- these Holocaust, supposed Holocaust victims, why it took them 10 years to come Actually, into a new body. There is, oh, I don't think I have the the statistics here anymore. Hi, Gabber Goobs. I looked up the statistics, and there are statistics on reincarnation. And one of them is, like, like Laura was saying earlier, that it usually happens between two and four, mm-hmm. and then eventually fades. And one of the statistics was that it happens between eight and ten years. Okay. Between the time the person died and the time the person was reborn. Gotcha. Okay. I was just curious. I just thought that was interesting that a lot of the cases are like very close together. Right. And then with the Holocaust victims, it's like almost always like 1955 or 1960. Well, and the ones that I said for the American cases, which Mm -hmm. is also kind of weird because, again, most of the Eastern uh, research was they have been very close together, but a lot of in the Western cultures they happen. There was a big gap, forty years apart. Uh-huh. It's just, I uh, wonder if it's a matter true. of your previous belief Maybe. and the fact that you pass on and you go on to this other realm, and it takes you that long to be convinced that this is what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> you it's know what I mean. Hard like to break like through. What? You have to break through belief I'll and end personality. On, have you read? What Dreams May Come. Yes. Okay. So I in What it. Dreams May Come by Richard Matheson. Such a good book. It's also a movie. It's also a movie with Robin Williams mm-hmm. and Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really <laughs> random. It's, it's not a very good movie. It's not. I was going to say um, it's kind of bad. It's visually pretty. Visually, okay. it's very pretty. <laughs> I can get so into that. So this movie great, was about a man who dies unexpectedly. And the first part of the book, he can't figure out what's happening. He doesn't mm-hmm. realize he's dead. He can't figure out what's going on. and uh, But then he comes to terms with the fact that he's dead. He goes. He's trying to communicate with his wife and his daughter and his family and saying, like, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Right. I'm right here. His wife. And he he's at the same time being greeted by someone. Um, if it, it was his uncle? I think so. His uncle in the next realm and basically saying, like, you're dead. Like, yeah. this is it. Get over like, it. Move on. Let me guide you (laughs) through this. There's going to be a next uh, step. (laughs) There's going to be a next step. Just like chill out. Let me teach you stuff. And while this is happening, his wife kills herself. Oh, God. And what happens when you kill yourself? You, in some religions, they believe you go to hell forever. And But a lot of times, again, like what we were talking about earlier, hell may just be a state of mind. Mm-hmm. She's trapped in this like horrible state of mind after Repeating killing her suicide over and over again. So the interesting thing of and, and in the book, basically, this this man loves his wife so much that he decides that he's going to go to this dark place to try and save her. Mm-hmm. 
It's very good. But the craziest part about what dreams may come is that the characters in the story are, are not real. They're made up characters to, to create this narrative. Everything else in the story is researched by Richard Matheson by people who have either died and come back to life or people who have claimed to remember past lives and remember what happened in between. Ah. The back of this novel is literally a reference page. There's like five reference pages of actual cases that he studied. And then he crafted this narrative around what people say actually happened to them when they died. Whether they died and were brought back or whether they died and then were reborn and remember what happened. You know, I think there's scenarios for all of it. When you started saying that that was karma and Buddhists believe that you just disappear into nothingness, Mm -hmm. I'm sure people experience that. And I'm sure there's other people who experience coming back in different lives. Yeah, That's why there's always... Some people say, oh, I saw a white light. Oh, I saw my ancestors. Oh, I saw this. And yeah. some people die and go, there was nothing. There was nothing there. There was nothing. Yeah. It was black. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, we I, I've talked about this before on the show about my um, post-apocalyptic literature class with Pinkney uh-huh. Benedict. So jealous. I miss that class. <laughs> Such a good class. S-I-U. See? One of the S-I-U. <laughs> Not light. Not light. Full body. Step in time. One of the things that we studied, the first thing that we studied, actually, we had to read the Genesis, like the beginning story and the revelation or the apocalypse, essentially, story of five different religions. And we had to compare and contrast. They're all the exact same. They're the exact Hmm. same stories with... Tiny details changed. Like names changed. Or names places changed, changed. Or, or yeah. races changed or whatever. Or places changed. But they're the exact same story. And not only that, not only are the genesis of, of, you know, fucking Buddhism and Christianity the exact same. Or even Islam and Christianity. The genesis and the revelations, the exact goddamn same. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but also they all have a flood story. I knew that one. <laughs> I've they heard that all before. have like an Easter Flood type r- resurrection. resurrection story. Yeah. It's all the exact same fucking story. It just depends on who's telling it and how they're telling it. Yeah. Yeah. Which That's- is why I'm so fascinated by the fact that these, like I said, these Jewish people who mm-hmm. died in the Holocaust are now Christians. devout Christians. Yeah. And they've probably passed on as well. So mm-hmm. now they're probably Muslim. You know yeah, what right? I mean? They're like, just jumping around. Well, it also is further proof, or not even proof, it of uh, just the idea that all religions are really the same religions, and we're all just bickering are. over man-made we're, problems. Exactly. Of, well, I'm a Lutheran. Well, I'm a Catholic. Well, I'm a Muslim. Well, like it's all the same religion at the end yeah. of the day. Um, I don't know. That's yep. a whole different episode of. That's religion. a different episode. But 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 but. Ding. <laughs> That's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast to find ways that you can get bonus material, including newsletters and bonus episodes. Thank you so much, Laura, for coming on the show. Oh, my God. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> this was it's so much fun. It's been a long time coming. We've been yes. talking so about this for a year. I'm so happy, too. <laughs> this was great. This was so much fun. Do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, 
I wish I did. You can follow <laughs> me on Instagram at yes. Lucky Larue. Yeah, um, Larue is spelled L A R E A U. You I know mean, the we're weird way. Like, tag her and stuff, so it's fine. Oh my god, <laughs> I could use all the likes. Give me all the likes. Again, I'm gonna Bye. be in that vanity hell for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Give her the likes so she can stay in the cycle. <laughs> yes, please make my hell a little bit better. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Keep It Weirdcast and our Facebook page, Keep It Weird. Laura, what's our sign off this week? Don't put that pressure on me. Yep. Pressure gets put on everybody. But no one listens to the final seconds of the episode, so they never know that they have to come up with a sign off. Uh, well, wow! (laughs) That duck (laughs) quack that came in. And And keep it weird. (laughs) Yes, Jungle Book and Robin Hood are the same. They're the same story. They're not. They both have really sexy main characters. Exactly. (laughs) Mowgli with shirt off, that that tiny little red diaper, hot little piece of ass. He's an ass like a ten-year-old boy. Okay, right? Because yep. he was. Anyways, oh, no, everybody in the jungle oh, wanted a piece of that. <laughs> so glad this isn't part of the episode. Just kidding. She's <laughs> totally part of the episode. We've been I've been recording, recording the whole time. <laughs> no.